as part of tonight's uh, talk, we're doing a four-week series, which I'll be explaining, and this is the first of the four weeks, and it's on loving-kindness. And the last part of it, we have a guest with us tonight, and I'm going to um, be promoting uh, her, her CD also, Dasi, whose name also is Karnan, and she is a classically trained Indian musician who grew up in a Sanskrit community, and so her chanting is absolutely imbued with this pure spirit of the Sanskrit language and the expression of soul and spirit that comes through it. I listened to this all the way in today, all the way out last week. It's fabulous, and we'll have information on where you can get this here next week. Dasi, welcome, and thank you for being here. You'll hear the chanting and be part of it at the end of the class. So this series we're doing now is um, on one of the most beautiful classical Buddhist teachings uh, called the Divine Abodes, the Brahma Viharas. They're also known as the Four Immeasurables. And it has to do with the four qualities of awakened heart that express as we become more and more free. And as we meditate on these four qualities, it actually wakes up our heart. And the qualities, the first one's loving-kindness, and that's what we're going to spend our time on tonight. The, the word is metta in Pali. And the second is compassion, karuna. And the third is joy, mudita. And then equanimity, which um, just to say that equanimity, this, this balance, opeka, in the midst of... Uh, it's not being identified, not reacting, this balance is actually the wisdom that guides all the Brahma-viharas. Because for love to be full, to be pure, it comes from a place that's unconditional and not reactive. So, if for those of you that would really like to let these four weeks be a um, kind of committed period of exploration, if you miss one of the weeks, you can certainly get it off the web. There are many talks that we've done here and elsewhere on these four, four qualities. And I invite you to do the practices each week and even consider having a buddy, someone that you kind of explore each week, you know, just do the practices and check in each week on what's happening for you to really bring it alive. One of my favorite bumper stickers Somebody saw this on, on the Beltway last year. If you lived in your heart, you'd be home right now. <laughs> I love that. So in a way, um, some of you are familiar with the language of the Bodhisattva path, which is the path of an awakening being. There's an understanding that to live as a Bodhisattva is to touch the spirit of the Buddha within us and allow that to shine through our individual life. And so really this training is just that, to touch the spirit of, of awakening. And I'd like to um, begin the metta talk with a short reading from Thomas Merton, who many of you know is fantastically deep mystic writer, poet. This is uh, one of my favorites. So just, you might just close your eyes and take it in. Then it was as if I suddenly saw the secret beauty of their hearts, the depth of their hearts where neither sin nor knowledge could reach, the core of reality, the person that each one is in the eyes of the divine. If only they could see themselves as they really are. If only we could see each other that way all the time, there would be no more need for war, for hatred, 
for greed, for cruelty. I suppose the big problem would be that we would fall down and worship each other. So in a way I think of an exploration into metta, into loving kindness is really that we learn to see the secret beauty, that we learn to see past the veil of our own conditioning. And one of the things I found in my own life is that the more I'm caught up in my own, in a small sense of self, in a small self story, preoccupied with what's going to go wrong and what I need to do, the more when I look at another person I just see the, the ego or the presentation. And the more I listen deeply and <laughs> listen within and find something beyond that conditioned ego, the more I sense the mystery that's here, the more when I look at another, who's looking out through those eyes is also that same mystery. So this is a training in really sensing that secret beauty, that mystery, that awareness that is living through each of us. It's a training in that. And as happens when we sense it, our natural activity is imbued with kindness. When we sense our connectedness, it's kindness. The Dalai Lama, I think, put it so wonderfully. People ask him a lot about being a Buddhist and he says, don't bother being a Buddhist. And he said, my religion is kindness. So we'll talk about um, how we awaken and cultivate this quality of seeing the beauty and really living from that kindness. But first it's really helpful to sense what gets in the way. I sometimes think of it that, you know, we, we all are attracted to the idea of love and yet it's very much of an abstraction. It's not, I mean, how many moments in a very visceral, alive way do we feel that resonance of the heart? And the reason we don't inhabit loving presence is because we're not that present. We're usually preoccupied. And any moment that we're preoccupied, that we're, you know, as it said, lost in thought, that we're trying to get through the day, that we're trying to defend ourselves or prove ourselves or in some form of judgment about how it is. In those moments we can have the idea about loving but it's not a resonance field. It's not awake in us. So the challenge is presence. It's like really how to get here because we can't feel love and compassion if there's not that, um, that here-ness. And some of you might remember this psychologist that went to Las Vegas and he brought back a sign and put it up in his office and it says, you must be present to win, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kept it there. So, so you know what it's like, that the, the one place we can experience that secret beauty is in that presence, but we're really preoccupied a lot. And there was a teaching story, a crow was sitting on a tree doing nothing all day. A small rabbit saw the crow and asked him, can I also sit like you and do nothing all day? The crow answered, sure, why not? So the rabbit sat on the ground below the crow and rested. All of a sudden a fox appeared, jumped on the rabbit and ate it. Teaching? To be sitting and doing nothing, you must be sitting very, very high up. <laughs> so what does this mean for us? And the reality is that when we start to practice meditation it's like something keeps pulling us away from presence. There's this kind of um, restlessness, our vigilance, like it's not quite safe to let go and fully be here. We need to kind of be figuring out something. 
You know, we, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out something. So it's part of our evolutionary conditioning that I've shared with this group uh, last year, I think, that there's research that shows we wake up ten times every night and we scan our environment to sense what might be a danger. And then we go back to sleep, and usually unless we have a sleep disorder, we don't remember that. But we are rigged to be scanning and to be vigilant, and our memories are rigged to remember what's gone wrong and keep replaying it so it doesn't happen again, so we avoid it. So I like the saying that we're Velcro for trouble and then we're Teflon for the good stuff because, you know, that doesn't necessarily help our survival, so to speak. But what happens, and this is again, you know, how come we don't live in that visceral sense of loving is that we're preoccupied and we're more in a kind of swim of fight and flight of what I call selfing, where we're preoccupied with what's going to support and enhance the self and what's going to protect. And, and the bottom line is a sense of self in here, world out there. It's very hard to see the secret beauty when there's a strong sense of centralized self. Another beltway, beltway remembrance. A man calls home on his cell phone. His wife's relieved he's safe. She had just heard on the radio that a driver was going the wrong way on the beltway. Heck, Emma, all the drivers are going the wrong way today. <laughs> So, in our personal relationships, when we're in the selfing trance, when we're preoccupied with the sense of me in here and world out there, and when there's a sense of something's wrong or it's going to go wrong, then when we're with each other, there's an undercurrent, a feeling that in order for things to be okay, either I have to be different or you have to be different. And it's really interesting when we pause and sense when we're with another if if there's an agenda. Like, really, is there an agenda here? Are we wanting that other person to be impressed? Are we wanting them to accept us? Are we afraid they're going to want too much from us? You know, is there any agenda at all wanting to appear a certain way, wanting to prove something about ourselves? One of the descriptions that most seems true about loving is that when we're loving someone, our our heart is totally allowing who they are to be exactly as they are. There is zero agenda. And of course our heart's allowing us to be just as we are. And I used to think that sounded kind of like a cool, like not a, a juicy definition of loving. Okay, so the heart's allowing. But when you actually feel into it, like what it would be in any moment to be with somebody and absolutely be aware of and allowing all that they are and being allowing who you are. In that space, that, that edgeless space of allowing, there is a profound tenderness. So a brief reflection uh, to, to invite you to check out and just to let your attention go inward and just review today for a moment. And what we're going to be reviewing is just to bring to mind several interpersonal encounters. And we're just going to sense in those encounters how much centralizing around selfing there was, how much of an agenda. So just bring to mind one person you were with. 
and just sense the situation so you're with this person maybe you're speaking, maybe you're at work maybe it's family but just sense if there's any agenda was there anything you were wanting from that person it could be that they cooperate with you they approve of you they listen to you is there anything you were fearing from that person Was there anything you were wanting from yourself? Did you want to show up in a certain way? Did you want you to be different? So just without judgment to start sensing the quality of selfing that can obscure the field of connection the concern about self and you might bring that reflection to another encounter and another encounter where without judging me just kind of notice okay, so where was I? how much sense of me, me, me was there? or how much was there really some freedom from having an agenda? in other words, presence as we inquire we find that the only obstacle to loving is that we pull away from presence you can continue reflecting when we're going to be practicing a bit more as we go but if you'd like to open your eyes it's fine it's most difficult when the person's difficult that's when we get most caught in our selfing trance in the ego where it's very hard to see through the mask to see the secret beauty when somebody has offended us, hurt us, criticized us is threatening one of my favorite little cartoons has a a rabbit taking an exam and the exam question is this some of you won't, this won't relate to this but write a brief reaction to this statement Farmer McGregor is essentially a decent man (laughs) not too many Peter Rabbit people here So here's the paradox, that we are definitely rigged to go into fight-flight, to be centralized around self and to cut off from that awareness that senses connection. Every one of us, we have that conditioning. And we also have a deep, deep longing to belong. We have a deep intention to affiliate and there's something in us that realizes that when we do feel belonging, when we do feel connection we wake up out of the fear of the separate self that in the moments we really feel a sense of here we are together that edginess and restlessness and angst and craving is no longer governing what we are we're back home again so metta, loving kindness was initially taught as an antidote to fear 
And I love the story that the Buddha, you know, sent his monks out to the jungle to meditate on pure presence, on mindful presence. He just said, go out there and just, you know, wake up and, and be present. But they were really freaked out because in the jungles of Thailand there were tigers and poisonous snakes and it's a very superstitious culture. They also were frightened by wild creatures, the spirits and the ghosts there. And so they kept coming back and saying they couldn't be mindful, they couldn't be present. So he said, okay, here's the metta meditation. And he taught them how to hold all beings with loving kindness, including their own fears. In other words, he taught them how to find that heart space where everything that is, is welcome. And that was the practice, to to see the secret beauty in all beings, in all creatures, to connect with that loving space. And that what happened is they were able to go back into the jungles and come into this stillness and this open-heartedness. And as it happened in, in the myth of the Buddha's time, the angry ghosts and the wild creatures all wondrously transformed into benevolent beings because that's the way things happen in these myths but the reality is even if they didn't there was an inner freedom that came from connecting with love when we remember love that remembering creates a largeness of being that has room for fear so the Buddha taught that our fear is great but greater yet is the truth of our connectedness So we have this longing to belong and we know that physically and spiritually we die if we don't have it. Physically from all the research on primates, on young chimps that weren't touched and they die. They literally languish and die. And we know from the research of people when they're aging, if they have social networks, if they have pets, that connectedness brings longevity and that's just the physical end. Spiritually, we wake up when we realize our belonging with each other. There's another bumper sticker I'm going to tell you about. It says, I just saw it, life is fragile, love is the glue. (laughs) So we're doing uh, bumper stickers tonight. So we have a longing to belong and we begin in the metta practice it doesn't have to be that we feel our universal belonging I've heard a lot of these meditations that say feel your connection with all beings everywhere and it's completely abstract and we can't do it and it's discouraging so you start by feeling the belonging wherever it's most tangible, visceral but the longing is there I I heard a um, wonderful story on 60 Minutes um, Oh, about a year ago that some of you might remember. And it started off, you know, featuring a woman named Vi Higginson. And she was, a, she was doing genetic tracing in order to find her ancestors and also her living relatives. So here she is, Vi is this urban African-American woman from Harlem. She directed this choir in Harlem. And she does this genetic tracing and she locates a, 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 somebody named Marion West who turns out is, um, you know, a blood relative from this genetic tracing. Well, Marion West is this white cattle rancher from Missouri, this huge older southern guy, cowboy hat, etc. He's been doing the tracing too and he, he was told he had blue blood and British royalty so he wanted to do this tracing. So he, so he does it too and he finds that Vi is his blood relative. So um, he invites her down to visit him. And then the footage is fabulous. So you get this Vi coming down from Harlem meeting up with Marion West with this, this huge guy with this cowboy hat and they, 
they just cry and hug and he just kept saying God put us together God put us together then, she, then he visits her the next footage is you see him in Harlem at the gospel choir singing away he's in one white face in the sea it's wonderful, wonderful we have this longing to belong you know it's one of the things that when we feel oh okay you're my relative but ultimately we find that it's omatakuyasana as they say within you know in the Native American rituals all my relations we find gradually as we become more and more present as this heart becomes truly allowing so that we really really open to what's here we find this relatedness that is precious with all beings in the Pali uh, scriptures the, the metta, the loving kindness reading that's most well known is this even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings radiating kindness over the entire world so the practices of loving kindness are the ones that wake us up to this heart where all that is is welcome where there's truly a cherishing of all life and we begin, as I mentioned, with the most immediate circle whatever is easiest for us to wake up that kind of moistness of the heart where you just know you care and traditionally, and we're going to do a couple of practices a couple of metta practices often the formal meditation begins by meditating on a benefactor and what that means is anyone that has taken an interest that has extended a kindness has been thoughtful it could be a benefactor that's really showed up for your whole life and paid your way through and nurtured your way through it could be somebody that's just done a kindness it doesn't matter but we begin to reflect on that and, the, and it's quite a beautiful reflection because you begin to really let in the sense of this universe caring about us Thich Nhat Hanh has a story, a kind of a loving-kindness story of what woke that up in him in his relationship with his teacher and I wanted to read it to you because I, I was touched by it for those that don't know, Thich Nhat Hanh is uh, from the Zen tradition and is one of the most well-known of the uh, Vietnamese teacher, one of the most well-known for bringing mindfulness and Buddhist practices to the West so this is what he writes my ordination was scheduled for 4 o'clock the next morning that night after chanting practice I saw my teacher sitting in his room on a cushion beside the light of a flickering candle there was a stack of old scriptures piled high on the table next to him he was carefully mending a tear in an old brown robe then I understood why my teacher had been sorting through his pile of old robes all afternoon he was looking for the least worn robe to fix and make presentable for me tomorrow for the first time I would wear a brown robe in a wavering voice I said respected teacher let us, let us ask Auntie Tu to finish the sewing no, I want to sew it for you with my own hands he replied softly my teacher handed me the robe I received it knowing it was tremendous encouragement and given with a tender and discreet love 
My teacher's voice at that moment was probably the gentlest and sweetest I had ever heard. I mended this myself so that tomorrow you will have it to wear, my child. It was so simple, but I was deeply moved when I heard those words. Although my body at that time was not kneeling before the Buddha and my mouth was not uttering the great vow to save all beings, my heart made the vast and deep vow with all sincerity to live a life of service. So when we let ourselves reflect on the kindness of another, it creates that sense of of belonging that naturally gets expressed in wanting to bring kindness into the world. That becomes our religion. So that's the first reflection and um, perhaps we'll, we'll just begin with that right now just to invite you to again uh, sit in whatever way supports you just to meditate a little. There are many ways to begin in practicing a loving-kindness meditation, but perhaps the most valuable invitation is just to relax, to really give yourself permission. You might even ask, is it possible just to let go right in this moment a little bit more? And to relax your heart. And Thich Nhat Hanh, who I was just talking about, teaches the sweetness of bringing the half-smile of the Buddha to the mouth. Just a slight but real smile. You might feel the inside of the mouth smiling. He calls this smile yoga because it sends a message to all our nervous system to let go of fight and flight and just rest. It gets us into that gentle quality of heart. Let the eyes smile too, as if you could smile into them and soften the brow. So the eyes are smiling and the mouth. And you might sense a smile at the heart, not to cover over anything, but really to create space for whatever's here. Let your intention be simply to come home to loving presence. And bringing to mind someone that we might call a benefactor, someone who has in some way given a kindness to you. And it might be someone you know very well or not so well, that has in some way offered their time or their energy, perhaps mirrored something with a genuine compliment. Supported you in some way. So it could be somebody that's very close to you or somebody you don't know so well, a nurse at a hospital or a retail person, a teacher. Could be a friend. 
A benefactor can also be somebody that you don't know, but that's had an influence on you, has gifted you through their words. Could be a deity that you feel is really there for you, bodhisattva of compassion. But let it be very specific right now, sensing somebody offering you something or a being giving you something some gift of presence, of care, of wisdom. And you might notice how you might not let it in, how you might write it off as a routine courtesy or something. But see if you can explore what it would mean to receive, to really sense the goodness that's living through another person. the sense that in the action of a benefactor there's the expression of caring that you can receive that caring you can see the secret beauty of that being in their caring and feel your heart's appreciation Love is the experience of pure appreciation, including it all. And as you feel appreciation for this being's goodness, their secret beauty, offer whatever blessing you'd like to this being, to your benefactor, your sincere wish for that person's well-being. And imagine it manifesting, your wish manifesting for them, that they feel your blessing and that it really ripen and bear fruit. This is often the entry into loving-kindness, is to choose one place where we can sense the goodness of another and, and feel our hearts wake up with it, and then offer a blessing. And the blessing actually deepens the sense of the field of loving. Now, while we start with another person, a key part of the training, and this is sometimes where it's most difficult, so I want to kind of get us out of a medi- kind of meditative and just really reflect together to offer loving kindness to the life that's right here this life, this heart, this body, this mind right here I think is often the most challenging part that I run into in doing trainings on metta and often the question I get is well isn't that kind of selfing to try to spend time thinking about myself and my goodness and because that's what it is, we're reflecting on our goodness and it seems that way intellectually but it's actually not 
because we're not offering loving kindness to a self we're offering loving kindness to this aliveness this beingness, this presence that's right here it's not to a story of self and the actual effect of sensing the goodness of this body and mind and heart and being that's right here the effect of it is that it dissolves the sense of separation it actually frees us and frees our hearts so that's the, the notion it's, it's a skillful means offering kindness inward to really freeing ourselves now the classic approach to loving kindness is to reflect on our goodness and begin to offer blessings offering messages of care it's not like um, offering, like saying, you know, I am a good person, I am a good person. You know, it's like, I love this cartoon of a dog that's going to bed with, he's wearing earphones, and it says doggy affirmations. Oh, you're such a good doggy. You are such a good, good dog. You know, I think it's great because it, that's what it's not, you know. Um, when we're practicing um, with ourselves, because we have so much conditioning for self-aversion we have to go really gently, really slowly and so you can begin to reflect on you know, what you appreciate about yourself and it might be your humor or your willingness to know the truth that kind of courageousness um, I find that it's really powerful to reflect on your deepest intention because when you remember what you really care about you feel your goodness that to me is one of the most direct accesses but we also can practice and I think this is really a beautiful thing by bringing to mind somebody that loves us and looking through their eyes so in this next segment because we're about to do metta for ourselves as you can imagine um, I'll have you, I'll have you, invite you to explore both ways through your own eyes and through another person's eyes and then what we're going to do is expand the circle to start including other loved ones because we widen the circles as we go so again, if you want to close your eyes or let your attention go inward, please do and as you did before, sense if you can relax a little more than you already are perhaps take a few full breaths and so you're just coming home again and again right to this moment and feel your sincerity about waking up this heart and including this life, this very life right here in your heart may I love this life may I accept this life just as it is you might try that on may I truly hold this living beingness that I am with tenderness what if we could really befriend this life truly befriend this life and then to begin to reflect on the qualities of your being that you appreciate 
And it might be a spirit of adventure, it might be the way you care about others, your honesty or your humor. It might be your love for beauty, music, art, your love of nature. It might be that you just reflect on what your deep aspiration is. Perhaps it's to love without holding back. Perhaps it's to realize and live from the truth of what you are, the wholeness, spirit. So to sense the goodness that's here in this being. And if you'd like to explore it, to look through the eyes of one who loves you, who sees past the veil and sees the secret beauty. as you sense the goodness that's here and just to let yourself appreciate it. Sometimes it's just a glimmer. And to offer whatever blessing to your own being, whatever whisper or prayer you most would like to offer to yourself. For some it might be, may I accept myself just as I am? May I let myself trust the goodness that's here. May I be happy. May I feel safe. May I be peaceful. May I discover that heart space where all that is, is welcome. So sensing your own heart, your awakened heart, really offering loving presence to this beingness that's here. The contemporary Indian master, Bapuji, when realized how much we pull back from offering love to our own being, how hard it is sometimes, he, he taught this, he said, My beloved child, break your heart no longer. Each time you judge yourself, you break your own heart. You stop feeding on the love which is the wellspring of your vitality. The time has come, your time, to live, to celebrate, and to see the goodness that you are. Let no one, no thing, no idea or ideal obstruct you. If one comes, even in the name of truth, forgive it for its unknowing. Do not fight. Let go and breathe into the goodness that you are.
we widen the circles of loving presence now by just bringing to mind someone who's dear to you just bring one person to mind you spend some time this evening meditating and reflecting and now's an opportunity to really um, bring your metta, your loving presence to a dear person offer your healing prayers a friend, a child, a parent someone in the field that you care about and let that person, let him or her be right here close in and sense his or her eyes and the love that looks out through them sense the aliveness that animates the spirit that lives through this being how this person longs to love and be loved is awakening to truth so you're really sensing the secret beauty that mystery and awareness that's living through this being and as you feel in a very visceral way in your heart your appreciation for this dear one offer your prayer whatever it might be and you can imagine that you're offering it as if you were just putting your hand on that person's cheek very intimate energetic offering it could be as simple as may you be filled with loving presence may you feel my love now and imagine the blessing being manifest and then one more person this evening that you can bring to mind that you'd like to offer your blessings to that you can explore seeing the secret beauty in just bringing one more person to mind sense him or her right here sense the love and awareness that looks out through that being's eyes the vulnerability, the humanness how this person wants to love and be loved see the secret beauty and as your heart feels that tenderness of care just offer whatever prayer resonates sensing that person receiving your prayer feeling your love
so that if you sense this being and the other person you brought to mind and yourself and you see behind all the conditioning this field of loving that's really what we are and that it's possible to move through this world and pause and slow down enough to see the secret beauty and come back home into this field of loving not just with dear ones but widening the circles of belonging to include all beings but we start where we feel it the most easily this is a poem called Shoulders a man crosses the street in rain stepping gently looking two times north and south because his son is asleep on his shoulder no car must splash him no car drive too near to his shadow this man carries the world's most sensitive cargo but he's not marked nowhere does his jacket say fragile, handle with care his ear fills up with breathing he hears the hum of a boy's dream deep inside him we're not going to be able to live in this world if we're not willing to do what he's doing with one another we're not going to be able to live in this world if we're not willing to do what he's doing with one another the road will only be wide the rain will never stop falling in a few moments we're going to be guided in some chanting and I'm going to invite you to stay with your meditation to, if you need to adjust how you're sitting, adjust how you're sitting and as you set yourself for this last part of the meditation to again feel the sincerity of your heart may this heart awaken may this heart live to love fully this sky where we live this sky where we live is no place to lose your wings so love, love, love if you can take your right hand and place it over your heart the practice of chanting unites us through sound this is called kirtan so tonight we'll do a bit of kirtan and the traditional song at the same time together if you can follow me in this key of Om and chant softly with the kindness of the evening I'll sing some prayers in gratitude while we chant Om together Oh. 
You can keep chanting it. You don't have to wait for the next breath. We'll all just individually. Panchatatva Makam Krishnam Bhaktarupa Swarupakam Bhaktyavataram Bhaktakyam Namami Bhakta Shaktikam Jayatam Surato Pango Mama Mademate Gati Matsarva Svapatam Bhojo Shiradha Madana Mohanu Namo Bhakti Vinodhaya Sachirananda Namine Gaura Shakti Swarupaya Rupanuga Varayate Vanchakalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhyayevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo To all those present here, to those who have come before us, to those who will come after us, your association, your sangha, is our gratitude. I'll sing one or two lines of this, so if you would like to focus on the sangha of your life, 
this song will be with your hearts and theirs. Viva Bari Shesha Alok Provesha Nidra Chadi Jiva Bolo Hari Hari Mukunda Krishna Hayagriva Viva Varishesh Aloka Provesh Nidrachadi Utajiva Bolo Hari Hari Mukunda Murari Ramakrishna Hayagriva Viva Nishingavamana Shri Madhusudana Brajendra Nandana Shama Putana Gatana Koita Vashatana Jayadasarati
So deep gratitude, Karnam, thank you. And as I mentioned, um, this music is, is grace, and um, we will have a way for you to get hold of the um, CD. I think you'll love it. So thank you again. So um, we, we end tonight. I'd like to just invite you as a part of your closing meditation as you leave to um, make this practice alive, to take uh, the time to connect with maybe two people you've never spoken with before here and just find out something about who they are and enjoy the secret beauty that's there. So we really are starting to live this more and more consciously. Okay, blessings. Hope to see you next week. Thank you. The teaching you have received has been freely offered. If you would like to contact the Insight Meditation Community of Washington to make a donation or to learn more about our programs, please visit our website at www.imcw.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.